0: Like the fake Benghazi protest video narrative, you know, that came out of the administration, and that yeah. was put together by Jake Sullivan, who's now our national security director. And Certainly. he's the one that made that up. And then the administration went along with it, and they pushed it. If that makes sense. So those of us on the ground in in, in Libya, yeah that it's, we didn't come up with that, we weren't focused on pushing that, but there, that was the political narrative
1: battle line podcast you guys are going to love this i say it often that there's people in the audience who are truly benghazi historians um you know i i know that there's like people who follow us on twitter who uh they've put together whole timelines of what happened and and it's important you guys you guys do a great job in getting the word out so to any of you in that category you're going to love this episode because chris learned stuff that you know that you were even unaware of. She
2: I always know. has such a, a grasp on on terrorism. She is an expert. Literally, I mean I don't say that much about people. I don't think there's many experts of anything and and sir really is an expert not just on Benghazi but on terrorism. It, it, she should run for politics. She's excellent on foreign policy. <laughs> I it really is. So yeah, a lot of information, a lot of good stuff and, and listen to it the whole way through guys cuz there's stuff that I, that you're gonna be like, well, holy shit. I didn't know that. Just like every other episode we've had, they're on. It's like, holy shit. I didn't know that. So yeah, yeah I, I love, I, I I'm having a great, I'm I, she's excellent. It's just fantastic job so far.
1: Yeah. And and it's 11 years later, 11 years after Benghazi, 22 years 22. after nine 11, 2001. So to anyone that we've lost, you know, we're paying our respect in this episode, um, the best that we can and, and always remembering the guys we lost both in Benghazi and in the Twin Towers uh, on 9-11. I I have to mention this before we get into our reads and the interview and everything. I mean, this is important. Latest Medal of Honor recipient. Got to give a big congratulations to First Lieutenant Larry L. Taylor, Army helicopter pilot during Vietnam. He rescued four soldiers under enemy fire while his helicopter was running out of fuel. True heroism. Um, so congrats on, on that medal of honor well-deserved to first Lieutenant Larry L. Taylor. All right. Well, before we get into everything, I have to tell you, I get a great night's sleep every night and it's because of Ned. I'm not someone who always got a great night's sleep. Uh, there were a lot of, a lot of years I was tossing and turning and looking for the right supplement and, and trying not to get hooked on anything that could be dangerous and going the natural route. And and to me, it's a combination in Ned and getting exercise. I mean, that would be the secret for me. You, you know, we're at these desks desks all day long. We're keeping our mind occupied, but mo- a lot of people are completely sedentary. They're not getting their body active. And I think that is oftentimes why you can't sleep, but it's also you're not taking the right supplements. So with, with Ned, they've over 700 five-star customer reviews. Their Ned Mellow Magnesium is an instant hit. Nourish your entire body with Ned's proprietary super blend with three forms of chelated magnesium, GABA, L-theanine, and over 70 trace minerals. It propels memory, mood, brain function, stress response, nerve and muscle health, and of course, sleep, as I said, and about 75% of Americans are deficient in it. Ned's Mellow Magnesium is now available on Amazon, but you get the best deal through us as a first-time customer when you go to helloned.com slash battleline or just enter battleline at checkout, and you can use that as well as a first-time customer on the CBD, on any of their products on the bomb that stuff is great the, man. the pain
2: relief bomb i used it this weekend my endurance course i had um i was in pain I, it was tough i i and i and i ran the course that pain relief bomb got me through day two. So it, it, that stuff is still, and it lasts. I mean, you don't think you get, but it lasts a lot. You don't have to use oh, it yeah. much. So it's 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 excellent. So not just the CBD oil. I'll try the pain relief bomb for,
1: for sore it's strong. muscles. It's, it's yeah, excellent it's, stuff. Excellent. It's strong with that menthol. I'll have to put it on oh, my yeah. ankle for whatever fucking thing stung <laughs> me, um, <laughs> which you'll hear about. I, I really will, man. So I, I love that stuff. So once again, helloned.com slash battleline, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash battleline.
3: From Kansas City to New York City. You are now tuned into The Battleline Podcast.
1: switches on battle line podcast people will be hearing this i believe on september 11th as long as harold can get it up a day early uh sarah adams is on with us co-author of benghazi know that enemy who was on with us for episodes 151 and 152 which she co-authored with dave boone benton of course who was also um one of the guys who survived the benghazi attack before we get into anything of, su- of uh, a You are in a new location. You were telling me because your your did your house burn down completely? What happened?
0: (laughs) I mean, it still has a roof, but it's it was a really bad house fire, and everybody like that lives in my neighborhood thinks like the terrorists came and did it. So it's like kind of like this funny joke, but I think the Dyson vacuum blew up. So. Now everyone who had a Dyson vacuum though was like running over and unplugging it probably, but yeah, it, my I got a pretty bad fire.
2: There, uh, I didn't. Did not know that? No. I, so you just came home and it was the house was burning, or you were sleeping and it caught on fire, or what happened?
0: I honestly went out to walk Kyber before work, and I was only gone ten minutes, and that that it burnt that bad in ten minutes. Like it, there was some sort of explosion, and it was a really fast hot fire. And the Dyson vacuum—that's—that's
2: that's their hear theory. And yeah, you need to sue those, sue those sources Hey, we're sue happy country. Fuck it, <laughs> sue them. Sue sue them. Get some money. Aren't they from Switzerland or something? I don't know. Shit, I, I
0: don't, don't know. know.
2: Well, sorry for that. It no, that's where are you at.
0: I'm just in an apartment until I figure it out. I was telling Ian it kind of looks like a crack house right now. It's still like boarded <laughs> up, and it's got grass to your knees. It's so embarrassing. I don't even like going in like checking the mail. Cause I feel people are driving by like judging me.
2: <laughs> well, is there, did you have, do you have insurance? insurance? Yeah. insurance. Right? Yeah. I had
0: insurance. Yeah. And
2: how, well, Are they taking forever to get it done or what are they trying to see, make sure that you didn't start it or what, I mean, what, what are they doing? Well,
0: that was a piece of it. The sheriff's department like thought I started it and it was like this huge investigation and like two CI teams. I was like, Oh my gosh. Right. And then the insurance part's done. Now I'm just kind of like in like a permit hell <laughs> so uh, we'll see how it
2: goes that's horseshit well sorry to hear that i didn't know that. I, i'm if i did
1: know that i forgot but i'm getting old I, you might have, I told but <laughs> so yeah it makes you good. feel any better i went for a walk no no joke right before we started recording the show and it's super hot here in new york like in the 90s and i i do i do not complain so i swear to you this was i was like what that some some type of insect stung the back of my ankle and it fucking hurt. It was, it was, I don't know what it was. Are you it comparing, like a, are
3: you comparing
1: Yes, I am. to? This is like very Joe down? Biden like. Yeah, I was going to say Joe Biden. It's like him comparing the house fire to like Hawaii. To yeah, Hawaii. That was... I'm comparing oh it to 9 11.
2: No. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that was, okay, that's hilarious, but not, but funny, but in a really sympathetic sort of way. It's still fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: live in a
0: city, because I get like bit by bugs every single day when I walk my dogs in the woods. So I don't know where you live. <laughs> Well,
2: that's because you live in
1: Florida. Like the only yeah.
2: state state that has every animal that can kill you is no Florida. no
1: joke. I don't know. I don't know what it was that stung me, but it, it was painful. I don't know what it. will. we'll see. We'll see if it like swallows up or anything. Anyway, getting into things of actual substance here. Um, I, and and I should be serious here. I mean, we joke around on this podcast and everything, but of course, um, you know, reflecting on nine eleven today marks twenty two years since the two thousand one attacks nine eleven oh one. Eleven years since the Benghazi attacks. And I think it'd be great to kind of discuss both of them for sure, because of the fact that, um, I, I mean I feel like the whole story doesn't get told for for both of these, honestly, of who was responsible and and all of that. Um, when we last had you on for episodes one fifty one and one fifty two, I don't think we got into this. Um, I mean nine eleven two thousand one nine eleven really impacted everyone. I I don't think I asked like where were you on nine eleven oh one.
0: I was in college, so I was coming out of like a class. It was like the natural time a class was ending, like they didn't close it down yet. And when I walked out of class and through the building, that's when everyone said the school's closing and it wasn't clear why, like it wasn't like being announced over speakers. So I went and roamed my way to the library and they honestly had one of the TVs on a cart. You know, I know the young people don't even know what that I remember
2: was. those. I remember yeah, that, yeah, yeah, the TV. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it was like, honestly, it was a TV this big and it was yep. like kind of in the main entrance of the library and like hundreds of people. And then that's when we saw it. And then my boyfriend at the time was a photographer and he was in the the, the lab, you know, like doing photos. So I went over to like the photography lab and told him. And then, yeah, I went home because we were both working later the day at Disney because I was living in Orlando at the time. So I said, I'm going to go home and call Disney and see what's happening. And then, of course, Disney closed down, too. So, So, yeah, that's where I was.
1: I, I, I feel like it. for everyone, there was just, because I, you know, I was in New York, I saw the towers actually burning from my high school, you know, even here on Long Island, because at the highest point, uh, I saw the smoke, I should say, I didn't see the act, you know, but just that day when i think about it it was so much confusion and it relates to what we're going to get get into with benghazi because i feel like uh islamic terrorism terrorism in general it wasn't even a part of like the american vocabulary that day changed everything and that's why people in their 20s or younger like they don't remember a time where you could go to an airport and not take your shoes off or go to a you know there weren't high security buildings it's just when you think of what life was pre 9-11 to now um, it has changed dramatically. And, and I think some would say, including myself, like it has taken away a lot of the freedoms of this country that we had of just roaming around freely. Um, you know, some would say under the guise of terrorism, and some would say like they've abused that power when you look at the Patriot Act and, and all these other things we've experienced.
0: Yeah, um, did you notice Tanto Ian brought up that he was in high school, like just to age us? I caught that.
2: It's <laughs> right, where, it, where I it was. It's where I was in, <laughs> I was in grad school. So there. I was actually had a, I was during my break in service. So I just served as stint in the army and I had just gotten out and I was in grad well, I was going through officers training. So yeah, that's how old, fucking old I am. I'm old. I was <laughs> but did did your I never asked you, were you thinking of going to agency? at that time or did that make your mind up to go to or did what was your thought are you just trying to get you just like like when we used to go to college and we used to like just have fun we didn't want to protest we wanted to go party we wanted to go have a good time you know it was it was college days that were actually good college days not fucking these progressive colleges with the liberal mindsets now more anything i'm going down a rabbit hole anyway what what were you doing and were was that anything that said okay now I am going to join agency or I'm going to do something and the agency was maybe a a far off dream down the line
0: yeah I was in school for international business so I never even thought of the CIA I didn't even know like normal people work in the CIA (laughs) so yeah the CIA was not even a thought I was like working five days a week and going to school two days a week and be just busy every second so I was just still marching along on my my business route to become a you know
2: businesswoman traveling around the world and that clearly didn't work out <laughs> well you still traveled around the world it's just not, yeah. it's not in a business. well, it's just not, paid well. <laughs> not, not getting paid well so well when did you just saw? because i didn't I, you know i just i've known you since the agency so i never really got to know what made you join me i mean we didn't really talk about that kind of shit you're there you're there you just do the job but what got you to go that route then? I mean, international business that is and that that's something they do recruit from though, because you are you got a good cover right there you know, without giving up too much. But when did you get in the agency then? what what happened?
0: yeah. so when when my like college ended and I realized, oh, you can't just really apply to jobs in international business, <laughs> that's when I changed my major to international relations, and that was my master's. But I got actually interested in. It's so funny. I got interest in terrorism for like the stupidest thing because, you know, I was in my 20s. So that's where the story is going to go. Did you ever used to play like the categories game? It would be like brand of beer. So my boyfriend at the time was Kashmiri. And so they would always do stupid terrorist groups as like the categories game. And they'd all kill me. Right. Because they're all from like India and stuff. And I, so I started memorizing terrorist groups, right? Because I was like, I'm not going to like lose every time they bring up this stupid category. And that's when I got started, like learning about terrorism. And then in grad school is then when I started writing about terrorism. And then that's when uh, I thought of CIA the night before I defended my thesis, because my thesis was on Kashmir. And I was like, oh, crap. Like now, I'm not going to be able to get a job because I wrote a thesis on cashmere, and then the only place I could think of applying was the CIA. So instead of preparing for my thesis, I applied to CIA that night, and it worked out. Um, but otherwise, I probably would have had to go to school for something else, wow. <laughs> waste more I, money.
2: That, <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's yeah, well, you just that sucks for both of us mm-hmm. on that that realm. But uh, <laughs> that is cool that you don't really get hired unless at, at least uh, you know with, with the stuff that myself and of course Boone and. Guys, did you just don't get hired like that? And just to apply and get hired by the agency, was that a shock, or did you expect that? I mean, I, unless that's unless because because you went the staffer route and I didn't, I, it's a completely different animal. But still, I would say you just don't apply and get hired. You've got to have some. Or tell me, I tell the difference because I thought really you had to put some time in because they did <laughs> want people with experience. Probably not now. I, I guess I saw it going the other route later as it was like. All right, this is twenty-some year old. What the, what the hell is this person doing here? But at that time, it wasn't still you competing with people with experience, and then you just to get hired on, or or was that not the case?
0: Well, the agencies always has hired out of college. The interesting part though is when I went in for the interview, they told me that I was in the interview because I was a cashmere expert, and that wasn't that common. So I luckily had a background that they really I don't think saw among many applicants. But yeah, when I got, I applied like the night, like Halloween, and they called me like the first week of December for an interview. Which you know, I read all these things online; it's these long processes. So I honestly thought it was like a bogus call, right? I was like, like I didn't think it was real because I didn't honestly (laughs) ever think I'd get an interview at the CIA. So yeah, I, I, it was shocking to me that I got hired by the CIA. So I don't know, they messed something up.
2: that that, you did what what was uh, you did a good job i we won't to i tooted your own horn the last two shows so we won't do that too much here you did an excellent job you're a tremendous targeter what was that experience like as a as a college kid going into and was it was it at langley was it george bush or did you go to one of the one of the other places in tyson's or or strat or the uh museum am I not supposed to be giving these things out I think everybody knows these places by now but was it going to going into into Langley that you did your and and what was that like walking through the door if that was the case
0: yeah they brought me to like a building to do the interview and they still do that you know they have like now like a real like reception area where they do interviews and stuff back then I think it was just like whatever building was available um and the person could come to and interview you but yeah then then you don't really do anything. Like you go back and do some medical, but your first day of work, you had to walk into headquarters. Right. And you're yeah. like, you park in the parking lot. You don't know where the doors are. I don't think you, I even had a map. Well, I remember like, it's, it's, it's it's big, that, parking lot, that
2: parking lot is huge. It's it is. Fucking monstrous. And and if you're a contractor, we had to park all the way in the back. It's like, fuck you guys. You guys could walk, but that, walking in because, because you still walk through the main doors. You've got the seal, you've got the, the stars. What was that like for you coming? Because you're still young. Tw- you're in your 20s. That's That had to be a, just a, honestly, like a like a professional, like, hey, I made it sort of experience. Or was it like, holy shit, I don't know if I should be here.
0: Well, the funny part is, is I came in the other side. So you know how oh, there's yeah. the old headquarters where the yeah. SEAL is and the new yeah. headquarters. So I went through the new headquarters building, which isn't cool at all. Like, you don't step over the steel, SEAL. You don't see the wall of stars, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this place isn't like, it's just like, blah. And then the funny part is, so then you go through security and then I went down to kind of where orientation was and it was near the cafeteria, but this is where it actually is funny. So there is a line of like 200 people and I was like, oh my God, is this the line for like orientation? And I was so confused. Was it this- and it was the day Dunkin' Donuts opened. Yes. <laughs> But, but it was crazy because I was like, <laughs> why are all these people in line? Because I didn't even know Dunkin' Donuts opened that day. So I thought everyone there was super weird. I'm like, who stands in line for like an hour to get a donut? So yeah, like I already thought, like these are the weirdest people I've ever seen. Um, Like what's good about Dunkin' Donuts? So yeah, so that's so special. My day, my first day at the job was also the day Dunkin' Donuts um, went to CIA. So like we started together. <laughs> was there, did
2: Starbucks get into there later? I just can't remember the coffee place that was, I thought I don't really think cool, Starbucks, the,
0: Starbucks was there when I left. I don't know if Starbucks was there when Dunkin' Donuts was there. I can't remember. I think
2: did one take, but that that people that don't. You got the coolest cafeteria. This is why the cafeteria <laughs> in my ass. You got all these chains. I'm like, in Langley, this is all that's in here is all these chains, and that's where everybody was at. They're all <laughs> getting coffee, getting food. <laughs> uh, when you're there, and uh, and Ian, you know, pop in, man, because there's a lot of stuff. Sarah's early days, I don't know about. And, and that's what I kind of like to get into a little bit, cause you're doing this. Did you get hired on as a targeter or, or did you, were you hired on like as a, as a, as a, uh, a report officer, what, what was your first thing and or do, or is that how it works? Cause targeters, you gotta be pretty damn good at what you do, but do you start there and then they just wean you up or mentor you up? Or do you have to prove yourself and then move into that line, that side of the building?
0: Yeah, when I joined, you couldn't apply for Targeter online. Um, Like it wasn't even an option. So now there's a job called Targeter and Targeting Analyst. So they didn't exist on the website. So I got hired on paper as what's called a political analyst. I was never a political analyst. But yeah, it, so that first day, actually, Yeah, you're, the mo- you're
2: about as political as fucking I am. Yeah, uh, you're not political. No, boring. Not- <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, so like the funny part is, is when you went into orientation, it was with everybody in the agency and then everyone kind of talked about their background, who they were and where they're going. And as they went around, it was like everyone that was an analyst was like the complete opposite of me. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I get into? Like they hired me wrong. And the, actually, the next Monday when you go into your office. And I went into the office and told my new boss, I think I'm going to resign because being an analyst sounds miserable. And then that's when he told me, oh, no, I'm going to put you into this targeting thing. And you're going to like it. And you'll get to do ops. And I'll never make you be an analyst. And so he, I had him for three years. And so he actually kept his word. So I never actually had to be a political analyst. <laughs> Thank heavens. Yeah, that's
1: cool. And then that yeah, led that to... Yeah, yeah, led to what you ended up doing. I I wanted to get back to the nine eleven stuff though, just because I mean that's when people are hearing this. I think it's important that people hear this. And then um, what I think is important going back to what I was saying about people hearing the whole story of these, you know, two major events, especially younger people are that truthfully, I, th- I feel like we were both lied to. We were all lied to about both of these events. And I'm not talking about conspiracy theory stuff. It's just it's weird watching like some of these anchors because they're so young. A lot of them weren't even alive when nine happened or they were like three years old and they don't get the fact that we were bombarded year after year, you know, for up until r- relatively recently, that Iraq was behind nine 11. And that was like some of the reason we went into not, into Iraq And there are similarities to that in terms of Benghazi, because I remember after Benghazi happened, I remember it being blamed on a YouTube video. We spoke about all that. And it's just people wonder why there's so much distrust in the U.S. government. It's events like like these. And I think it's important to learn about the Islamic terrorism and the reason why these events happen. But also just, like I said, everything surrounding it, the truth and the fact that the government lied about both of these events and 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 also the fact that what, to getting into what you've been doing now, like the people who were responsible for the events, not talking about the government, talking about the actual terrorists, like most of them were never held accountable and most of them are still roaming free. And that's what you've devoted your past couple of years to getting out there.
0: Yeah, so one of the things, you know, when, when you talk about mistrust from the government, you know, they use 9-11, right, to go into Iraq, which is... Like you no. said, the two weren't related. The other <clears throat> Not really at all. interesting, yeah. yeah. The other interesting thing I had noticed too early on is a lot of military people believe the Taliban did nine eleven. It was it, yeah. it was very strange. It was almost like they are training them um, before going into Afghanistan. That and I was like, I was like, no, like show me a uh, Taliban person who did nine eleven. So there was a, even miscommunication within the government, which which I found to be very interesting. And then there's always Unfortunately, the politicking around the Saudi government did it, and it's like no; these terrorists were also the enemies of the Saudis. So there is so much misinformation around nine eleven. A lot of people don't actually know that or pay attention to it, right? Because it was so long ago now, and they think they understand it. But yeah, it's it, it's gone all over the place.
2: Where was the agency itself? As much as you can talk about, where, where you see us, and I, I feel like being in cahoots and with with the media and so forth. Do you think some of those times we're doing that on purpose or that we're using that media, even our own, just to just to tell lies, to to tell the American people this is when it's not what happened? Hey, the attack was due to a video and then it goes on CBS. And I'm using that as an example, uh, of course, but, you know, just seeing what happened to us, but then using that media as a and that's that's PSYOPs. That's a weapon. It's weaponized. And, I, you know, I I thought somebody from the agency would have stepped in and nobody did. So to me, they're culpable as well. You stayed in it longer than I have. You were a staffer. You got to see a lot more than I did, at least the under, underbelly of it, because you had to be in it. I I could get away from it. I could go to Nebraska and get the fuck. But is that purpose driven or is that just stupid? it's not a right answer? Or is that just stupidity, ignorance? Either way, it's wrong. But what do you what do you see and, w- and what can you talk about still? Because you know, I don't I don't want to get you in trouble with with people either. sir. Because you're still you know, you're still out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first time I felt I was in the agency and they lied publicly was after Benghazi when they debunked the article, obviously, about the stand down, which was very odd for them to make a statement on it. You know, it was the article out of, um, like, the the other coast. Um, That was actually the first time I've ever seen them do that. The biggest issue I saw, though, where I, I saw the government lie was, remember when they were kind of saying positive things about ISIS?
1: you yeah, know, yeah. to appease oh, yeah. the
0: Obama administration. Yeah, and, I remember
1: um, John McCain, we've spoken about it before in the podcast, saying yeah. they were moderate rebels and meeting yeah. with them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they were actually lying and saying, oh, there's successes against them. So it was very strange. It was almost like back when the lot about Vietnam, right? So I feel that was one of those big turning points where I do feel maybe they were not being genuine. So that's this period of time. And since then, yeah, there There has been problems, right? There has been too many politics getting involved in the intelligence community. and I, and I worry there's a lot of senior leaders in the intelligence community making sure they position themselves yeah. for when they leave and they retire so they can go to these think tanks and to these other government organizations and whatnot and unfortunately it's become um pretty dangerous for our community well,
2: is it, it's, it's it's gotten worse it, is, it seems it does how do we how do you stop that? or, or is it too late i, I a lot of times I don't worry about it man, it's, it's just too late we've let it go we didn't we didn't reprimand the first time it happened and now it's just i completely agree with you now they now they position themselves where the the director's no longer a director he's not out there trying to catch bad guys and kill terrorists and protect the they're to position himself or herself to for later down the road in politics, because politics has infiltrated the agency. Can we fix that? Or is it is it too late? I, and if we can't, you're a lot than I am, sir, because I, I don't think we can, aside from doing an extreme, which I, I won't say here, because I don't want to get anybody spun up, but I, I don't know how we would do it. unless Somebody stepped in with some morality and some virtue, and that just doesn't seem like there's a lot of that in DC and, and the agency, at least at the upper levels, a lot at the ground, ton on the ground. there's a lot of good people on the ground but not at the higher levels is is there a way to fix it though
0: yeah i do think it could be fixed if they realize it's a problem right like when i joined the agency you couldn't even really talk about who you vote for your political party like they wanted people middle of the road um no even if you maybe ran the democrat republican party at your school you might not get in the cia because they just that's not the type of person they looked for And now I just, I feel it's so different. Even when we saw a lot of these agency officers put out those group letters, you know, I mean, it's very strange, right? Um, So I I feel first they have to realize, hey, this is wrong for us to be influencing things this way. Um, You know, we shouldn't have um, these type of opinions and be forcing them upon people. And then maybe it gets fixed, but until someone realizes it's a problem, I do think we're going to keep going down the slippery slope.
2: Yeah. And that's something I don't want to see anymore, but I, I just don't know if I don't think we can do that. I, I Just people don't have morality anymore. I'd say it too many, many times. Um, You know, you're going on, I, we went to a little bit and I wanted to ask, and as much as you can talk about what happened the day after when we left and you stayed and you were there, this is nine, 12, nine, 13. And we took off. Can you talk about anything that happened there with the other staffers? I, I mean, you and I kind of talked offline. You can tell me as t- tell the people as much as you want or you can. But we saw, and, and I and I saw, or at least that's what I've heard because I wasn't there. Um, but that, that's when they started to formulate the story, the fabrication of what took place. And they started to basically, hey, let's get our lives together. Let's get make sure we're on the same line before the director comes in. And and you stood there and said, no, I'm not going to go along with that. Is that correct? Or am I? did I just hear hearsay? Because i that's what I, I sort of believe that's what happened. But I, I want to know. and And if you can talk about what they were trying to formulate and what they were trying to do behind the scenes. I don't think a lot of people know. Aside from what I've told them and I don't even know a lot of it because I wasn't there. You were there. Can you talk about any of that? Or, or are you not allowed to? Or are you putting your life on the line? I'll protect you. And you got a you got a good dude there. He can protect you too. He knows what he's doing. Um, and you can protect yourself. I can you take care of yourself. But can you talk about that at all? Because that's something that that's always bugged me. Not that I don't know what happened, I just want more detail. And and hey. can you can you talk about any of that at all?
0: Sure, I'm going to separate two things, though, just so it's not confusing please. for the audience. Yeah, please, please. So, so like, the fake Benghazi protest video narrative, you know, that came out of the administration, and that yeah. was put together by Jake Sullivan, who's now our national security director. And he's mm-hmm. the one that made that up, and then the administration went along with it, and they pushed it, if that makes sense. So those of us on the ground in in, in Libya, yeah. that it's, we didn't come up with that. We weren't focused on pushing that but there, that was the political narrative. So then the issue that you bring up was the fact that they were trying to cover up the delay in gotcha. letting GRS respond. And so there, there's basically something called a hot wash at the CIA, yeah. right? So a, a situation happens, you write down every single detail, you put it in the CIA cable traffic and it exists forever, right, it's for the record. The, the problem with that is they didn't include people that should have been included in it, right? So Bob was the lead on it. Um, they pretty much kept everyone out of the room. So it was Bob, your team lead, um, were the, the only Benghazi people the, the, that were really the, involved. The
2: Benghazi team lead or country team lead or both?
0: He was he was your Benghazi team lead was yeah. involved yeah. and the country yeah. team lead was also in gotcha. the room. Gotcha. I wasn't in the room. Um, even the even the CT case officer, Benghazi, he actually wasn't in the room. He did push through some corrections before it went out. And they were luckily included because wow. um, they had some of the narratives wrong about kind of the rescue stuff. But even that didn't go out, as you know, completely accurate. Yeah. So so, yeah, the problem was Bob was controlling the narrative and the chief of station. Like, I think now that time has passed, he realizes that was happening. But at the time he didn't and he backed Bob and he let incorrect information go out because he was like, hey, this is my chief of base. Of course, he's telling me the truth. Of course, he's being honest. Like I said, I feel if someone walked up and asked him now, he would say, you know, the chief of base was full of shit. So I'm not putting it on him right he yeah. was believing his counterpart and he
2: was relatively new because our old one that was yeah solid old sad jo- i wish he would have been there mm-hmm. holy shit we would have had the cavalry but he had just left right so the new his, he, yeah new chief he's been, had there
0: been like there. a week or something yeah. Yeah,
2: it wasn't long at all gotcha, gotcha.
0: yeah so it's, so i don't the chief of station wasn't influencing which was good it's just with bob but the one thing the chief of station did go to bat on remember we got the video um yeah. A week later. So we got the video from the US consulate surveillance and then the CIA annexed surveillance and we watched him. So we knew when we got the video, of course, there was no protest. protest and yep. he backed us on that. And the crazy part is the CIA headquarters would not change their analysis. That, so where we would write caveats, like Tripoli e Station does not a- agree to this. And they were supposed to include our caveats and all these reports. Who knows if they did? But yeah, they would not change their assessment even with the video. Wow, so that was scary.
2: Yeah, and and nobody. Why did nobody? When they the narrative kept getting out there wrong. I know we're trying to be secretive and all, but when it kept getting out there wrong, I was shocked that nobody from the office said something or somebody didn't. Everybody, shit, we're seeing leaks all the time. Leak this, leak this. If it if can if it goes to some certain narrative, but nobody said a word a word until what six almost a year later after we all got back from yemen that we are the ones that had to say it and i and i was just why did nobody say hey this is this is bullshit and because you guys obviously you knew it was bullshit you knew right off the bat and and, any old bob was bullshit and so was our local team not our country team leader but our local team leader um why didn't somebody just stand up say no this is wrong Cause they just let it go. It's like they, they, Hey, you know what? We're not saying any lies, but we're not going to fucking correct it. So did they want it to continue to spin out of control like that, where it was just complete horseshit just so they didn't have to take culpability in what took place or, or was it an honest mistake? And they just said, Oh, we, we just didn't catch it soon enough, which seems odd to me. There's much to make fun of the agency. There are very smart people and they, they, they maybe not have common sense all the time, but very, very smart I would have thought somebody would have said something eventually, and it never happened.
0: Yeah, there's multiple answers to this. Wow. Um, One is the fact that the analysis was horrible coming out of the CIA at the time. And the fact was they moved a bunch of people to work it, and they weren't Libya experts. They, they, They really didn't do the job well. And so just the analysis piece was really done bad second their senior leaders should have obviously stepped in when the analysis was wrong and they didn't um and then remember i was in tripoli this whole time we didn't even understand how it was being portrayed as much in u.s media right because we watched local media we worked 13 14 hours a day so remember it was in november when um general Petraeus came out and that's the first time i actually heard him say yeah this bs about you know us not responding immediately and then that's the day i wrote a complaint to the inspector yeah. general so it was a lot of people need to understand is when you're in the cia you don't just go to the press and say hey this is a lie you have to go to the inspector general and so my complaint went through the official channels to the inspector general saying hey the the director of the CIA has been informed correctly about the situation on the ground and here's the things he said that were incorrect so that was in November when he became aware for the first time that he'd been lied to
2: got and but you were reprimanded for that weren't you and it never that didn't go anywhere right because I don't remember it going anywhere I don't I, and maybe it did but by that time though I was also heading off to Yemen and i was leaving and you're, i'm i agree i am saying well i don't watch the media when i'm overseas i watch football i watch the fashion network russian russian re- network re- oh my <laughs> goodness when you're by yourself a bunch of dudes dude at night when, <laughs> when, the, when the bikini models come on it's all it, blame me, guys the guys that have deployed know exactly what i'm talking about and we watch russian music videos because they're more mi- risking right i got it down man i got down well, i should well, but we don't watch the news that's one thing we don't watch um but uh, uh yeah I, I i do remember later hearing that you did that and i know you did but i don't remember at that time still nobody stood up you did the right thing and i found out you know i found about six months later that you did that after i was able to talk to you and, and kudos to you that's fucking awesome that takes a lot of balls uh, we had more balls than any of the dudes there at Tripoli by far but it didn't go nowhere or did it and I just didn't see it because I again I I wasn't watching the media and all I was concerned about at that time was just getting reacclimated and being okay in Sanaa uh, at that time so what happened anything come of that because I didn't see it but I may have just missed it
0: I'll tell you the reprimand story and then I'll tell you what came of it Um, okay so what happened is when Petraeus was still there I didn't wait to do the IG I actually gave a letter to his chief of staff so Petraeus knew walking out of the building what I thought sure. and then I put in a formal thing well obviously our chief of station heard that someone passed the note to the chief of staff so the next morning we come in and he called me and then our collection management officer and then our CT case officer you know the three from Benghazi, yep, 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 into his yep, office yep, yep. And it was like a stand down, right? So he was like, who did this? And then of course, the the CMO starts crying.
2: I, I remember that. I did remember that story. I heard that and yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I can completely see that happening. Yes.
0: And then he went on like, I love him. He actually called me today. So I'm calling him back tonight, but I, I love him. But he started crying and saying, Bob was like a father to us. I don't know why he let us down. So he went on this whole tangent. So finally, I just said, it was me. This is ridiculous the way you brought the three of us in here. Mm-hmm. You could have just asked me. Well, then the, the CT officer goes, no, no, no. She, she doesn't mean that. And I said, what? Of course I mean that. He's trying to like cover for me when I just admitted to it. But yeah, the, the, the COS, like, I don't really have a problem with it now. But he did make some sort of threat. Like he was going to squash me like a bug. And he gave me a very bad review when I left. Um, I mean, but anyway, so... What happened is it went to the IG and then the next day, I want to say that was like a Thursday night. I'd have to look at a calendar. So the next day on Friday, the IG reached back to me and they read me like a written statement from Petraeus. And it said like, um, I really appreciate you providing this information to me. It is the first time I've received it, you know, internally, right? Um, um, and I'm going to do a full investigation into it. And I'm going to send a team next week to investigate in libya to run this down um and then he was out like the next monday
2: yeah because so, that's when he was they got caught for adultery on his computers i yeah i i knew that i i, I was telling people this is what happened and this is like i knew i was right i said okay that's for those who don't remember this is when petraeus just all of a sudden Gotten fired for having an affair. Holy shit. Yeah, that's odd in Northern Virginia, right? Nobody has affairs <laughs> in political, in directors in political, in Northern Virginia, D.C. Holy shit. All right, keep going. Yeah, this is, this good, this good stuff. This good stuff. So st- I believe,
0: yeah, I believe he was going to do an investigation. I mean, it, you know, it was officially written. It was it, read to me by the IG and then like I said, he was he was fired like the next Monday that like that honestly, a few days later he was gone gone. So we don't even know if he was ever gonna do it. But I, I hate to say he wasn't going to do it right because in I felt it was gonna happen. So Man, um, how yeah. interesting
1: would it be to get Petraeus on the podcast and comment on that? I, I would yeah,
0: love to. Yeah, you should ask to. him what his intent I, so was.
2: The investigation never happened though. I know nobody reached nope. out to me ever. And it didn't. It did. Yeah, But remember,
0: my my IG complaint was written directly to General Petraeus, so if if they didn't hand it off to the next director, which was Mike Morrell, who, you know, unfortunately was in with Jake Sullivan and all of them anyway, so probably wouldn't have been involved in directing it. He was probably also involved in the narrative stuff. But yeah, I don't even know if it ever was passed on to the next director to even consider
2: yeah, yeah. It, it just it seems it's it's too coincidence, and that's what I've said the horse shit. No, that's the, that's one of the reasons. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's but at that time too, that was a lot of going on, and you know, I know it's still I still go back, Al Qaeda was on the run, terrorism was on the run. Look what I'm mm-hmm. doing as a president, look at my foreign po- and all we were doing was a stabilizing nation. Foreign policy was policy was awful and yeah, I I, I, don't think it was a coincidence. And and I, I don't I 100% don't think it was a coincidence now after
1: talking to you. you hey, know. guys, hope you're enjoying this episode with Sarah Adams, CIA targeter and getting a lot out of it. Um, Fort Scott Munitions. I mean, you guys know about them at this point. You just had a course this past weekend. And I know whenever you have a course, you are stocked up on Fort Scott Munitions.
2: But it's great ammo, fantastic ammo. It, it, it's the best ammo out there on the market. And the people, I, I always tell you, the people that run force communications have tremendous integrity. The Kraft family. Shout out to Forster. Ryan Kraft. Yeah, great great, 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 great dude. But just the ammo itself, it speaks above and beyond. But then the people behind it, I think says even more for the company. And they are, they have virtue, they have integrity, and they are just tremendously good small town folks. So, Guys, get the ammo because it's great, but stay with Fort Scott Munitions because of the people that are there, the Robbie Forrester, Robbie Forrester, Ryan Craft, you know, Preston Church, those guys are are fantastic over there. And it and it speaks volumes of the products they put out because they put their heart and soul in it
1: yeah it's wild man if you go to kansas to that area i could say as an outsider it's like fort scott is the thing there man you go into walmart you see fort scott hoodies everywhere like they, they are just the thing in the in that town and in that area even when i've left the town and i went to like that chili's around there i see fort scott munition stickers i mean it, it's it's like a solid fan base and, oh, and hey, i know hey, I get why
2: hey man it, and there's lots of hunters out here of course so and, yeah you know, So for, for ammunition for home defense is fantastic, but you hunters, you know, that's where they made their, that's their bread and butter. And, and if you're an avid hunter, then use Fort Scott ammunition. So you only have to shoot it once because <laughs> you don't have to shoot it and then track that thing down and then drag it back. Any hunter knows what I'm talking about. Dragging the stuff you've you've got back or you have to dress it out in the field uh, far away from, far away from your stand or your truck. That's, that's a pain in the butt in itself. And if you want something that's going to knock it down real quick. So But I force got munitions is where it's
1: at well said yeah that's their tui fort scott munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass cnc spun ammunition it's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker (laughs) incapacitation this ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design it was found that not only did the tui ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Just go to fsm.com, use the promo code BATTLELINE, FSM.com, promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. They have all different types of ammo, great gear. Check them out. And now let's get back to our interview with CIA targeter Sarah Adams.
2: I I saw it odd that they got us when we left. I mean, I was, I was happy that we were heading to Germany the day after I, I was, I was tired. I just wanted to eat. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, I just, you want me to go home? Let's go home. I want The coffins are going. Let's take the coffins with us. But I did seem that it was odd that you all stayed and they've all us contractors left, took off. I, I did. I, I thought we would have stayed longer. And I was really surprised that nobody, aside from our GRS, when we did a little hot wash in Germany, and then we did one within our own, our own, uh, you know, our own head shed there at the little GRS by by the front door, um, GRS that we went through a lot of that, but that nobody reached out to me after. Is it because of what we said and it was against it? Because it was obvious obviously I'm I'm assuming, but I, I'm pretty sure it's probably against a lot of what Bob said. It was is disputed and disagreed with the majority of the narrative they had. Did they were we contractors? So we were just, hey, they're expendable, they're they're knuckle draggers, they don't want the hell they're talking about, or were they just afraid to talk to us because we, we were gonna say they were wrong with whatever they had? Did you ever know why they didn't want to talk to us? I mean, what, what, why did none of us get talked to as far as contractors go right when we, yeah, pretty much when we left Benghazi, got to Germany and, and it just, it was, it seemed odd to me that nobody really reached out. I, I didn't really think much of it and, and think more of it now. I should have asked more questions then. I just wanted to go back to work. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Did you get anything or did anybody say anything scuttle like, hey, don't talk to these guys, hey, leave them alone. These guys are off limits or anything at all um that that would say that they 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 wanted to blackball us right off the bat because we weren't gonna we weren't gonna stick to their narrative. Right? Or was it just leave them alone, let them go back to work?
0: Well, remember, like you guys are sequestered to Germany and we couldn't talk to you. Couldn't talk to us, um, yeah. So none of us knew your point of view. I luckily knew how you guys couldn't go because the team leader from Tripoli told me when I flew back from Europe, he told me immediately when I arrived. So I knew the story right away, but I had no way to contact you guys because there was kind of like the communication stand down. So, so think about it. Nobody knew you guys had really another story besides him. And you know, he told me and I was kind of fighting it when they were in the hot wash, but CIA only did a hot wash. They didn't go interview everybody who was there and write tables like there was a hot watch and that's it. So nobody was brought in. And then even, remember, you guys left and even the yeah. couple other officers came to Germany with you. They came back to Tripoli. But even when they came back, they weren't sat down um, and asked. They were interviewed by FBI for FBI's investigation, but they've never... Yeah. There was no investigation to figure out what actually happened in CIA or a lessons learned in CIA. You know, like like coast tap you know, how happened sure. coast. None of that happened with Benghazi. They wrote the hot wash and that was it and they were done with it.
1: Yeah. If it's okay with with both wow. you guys, i I'd, yeah. I'd like to fast forward to kind of what you're doing now just because of the fact that, you know, reflecting on what went wrong then, I think people do love hearing this. As I always say, there's kind of like Benghazi historians in the audience who really love hearing the full story of what went on what happened after but what you've been doing now and like what your book Benghazi know the enemy with uh, Boone is all about is that a lot of these guys are still on the run and then most recently you were you were getting it out there to whoever you could in any way (laughs) possible about the capturing of this guy Ziad Balaam in Turkey right in Istanbul and he has now been freed I mean, Chris and I discussed it on the show, and uh, part of it is, I mean, is there really any incentive for politicians to make this a big issue right now? Unfortunately, uh, kind of as I said about people being young in this country who don't know, you know, what went on, young voters, you know, p- people who are 18, you know, voting in this next election, who are Gen Z, whatever, like, they don't even know about Benghazi, most of them, unfortunately, and it's 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 like a forgotten issue, and you know, I, I do love that you put out there, like, contact your congressman, this guy's on the run, but d- at least in your experience, do any of them even care at this point?
0: Yeah, the the one thing we want to push is the fact that um, the U.S. has a failed policy in Libya. That's a bigger issue, right? So we're aligned to the government who are supporting the terrorists. This now just showed it in real time, and everyone got to see it, right? So Ziad has been going back and forth to Istanbul for years. Magically, he got watchlisted finally. I don't know how that happened. Um, (laughs) So he gets, he's at the airport. He obviously hits on the watch list. The Turkish government detains him and then they're going to deport him to Benghazi because he's wanted in Benghazi, right, for a lot of terrorism and murders and assassinations. So the Turkish government goes to put him on a plane to Benghazi. The Libyan prime minister, who is the U.S. ally, interjects in the process and tells Turkey, no, you're sending him to Tripoli where my government is. And he's the one who released him. And that's where we're frustrated because he's the U.S. ally and U.S. should have a relationship with him to prevent him from releasing a senior al-Qaeda officer in the CIA I mean the the US government doesn't right and that's what we wanted the public to see because we knew he was having him diverted to Tripoli to release him he held him about 10 days and then quietly released him the US yeah. government never made an official statement about it yeah. um and they didn't they haven't admitted to anyone that that's their ally who did it my dog's making noises um, <laughs> so so yeah so we're just showing people hey we're partners basically with the side that al Qaeda's on is libya and people should care about that because we are supporting terrorists in libya we're supporting terrorists in afghanistan we're supporting terrorists in other countries and it's going to come back and bite us
1: I, i'm just wondering uh, you know kind of a follow-up to what i said though where you were talking about contact your congressman is there anyone in the house that, that you spoke to or that any of your colleagues spoke to who were like i'm making this a priority
0: I know a lot of Congress people did reach out. I know that, that there was reach out to the FBI. So the FBI was involved. Uh, so so the Congress people that were contacted, they actually, at least a number of them, did something. Um, I don't know, though, if any of them did something to where they influenced the State Department, because it would have been the State Department, obviously, who maintains a relationship in Libya and who maintains a relationship with that prime minister. And then who also would put in a, like an extradition request or whatnot with a government I don't did not see any play with the State Department to get them to do their jobs
2: is it something political why they're not they're not doing anything or or <laughs> I, I don't see any other why else it would be you have a terrorist we got him catch him bring him back or hey or the other government and I'll ask about their own prime minister. Or, or you kill I, in my always opinion I don't think you'll ever lock a terrorist you kill him that's it done um do you see anything behind the scenes that why we're not doing any? Because this has probably been the only the the only time. There's been other terrible presidents, other good presidents, but this has been the only time where nothing has happened. Nothing. Why? Why is? What's going on? Is it they just want guys to go away? Obviously they do, especially crazy Uncle Joe. But what are you seeing? And maybe because I'm seeing is from the outside. You're you're the one that's that's tackling these things.
0: There's two issues. One. We're, we're backing this PM, right? And we're yeah. trying to push for elections. But this is the guy the US government has chosen to prop up. So the Libyan people don't actually want him even on both sides, yeah. like both sides want to push this guy out and move forward. The US government is the one like you better keep him in the process, right? He's our puppet. That's like one piece of it, but that piece is, as you can imagine, like like super important, right? Because that's kind of the U.S.'s one hook into Libya is, is, is their control in this with with this prime minister. Um, I mean, the other piece of it, um, I, I do think not much is being done against the Benghazi terrorists because... We're switching to strategic competition, right? Um, so if you go ask anyone working in Libya now what's the biggest threat in Libya, they're gonna tell you Wagner group. No one's ever gonna mention these 50 plus terrorists that want to kill Americans when they put an embassy back there. So that's the only focus is Russia in Libya. And it's it, we've got blinders on and we're not now collecting against the terrorists. And it's gonna be a really yeah. big mistake we make, unfortunately.
1: Well, Let's by the issue. way, this is oh, I was just going to say man this is what pisses me off about actually conservative media in particular is that I feel like when you were putting out this uh, you know the story which is a major story you should have yeah. been on every Everything. at least conservative news network you should have been on Newsmax Fox News they should all be talking about this and like on a day like today 911 if they do talk about Benghazi I've just been in this field long enough that I know the only thing they'll talk about is Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton They're not yeah. going to talk about that there's guys still on the run who are actually responsible for the attack and that our government needs to do something about it and expose it. It would actually really piss off a lot of people in this country but we only have like these small platforms i'm not under an illusion that our podcast is joe rogan or anything like you know Mm -hmm. we have our loyal audience and and it's great and i want them to hear about this but like the average american who just turns on the nightly news and that's who they you know or or even turns on conservative talk radio like they're not even aware that this is going on yeah and that pisses me off
0: yeah and the other thing is I get frustrated with the Hillary thing, right? Because look yeah. at Jake Sullivan is when it came up with the fake protest. Yeah. The most senior of all these people right now are in our government, and they don't even touch him. It's like, what, what does he have on all of you that you don't even report on his misdeeds, right? He did the Iran deal. I mean, it, it's just very, very frustrating who they give passes to. Sometimes I think they like to pull along with the Hillary narrative because it gets like a lot of clicks, but they don't even really care that much yeah. about it. Right. But that it's is just, it's just all about it's
1: all about the clicks. It's yeah. all that yeah. it's about. Like if anybody at this point thinks that the news media in general, mainstream corporate news media, I don't care if they're conservative, liberal cares about informing you. Like, I got to tell you, guys, I don't yeah. think this audience feels that way, but like they don't. It's just it's 100 no. percent all about selling people to advertisers, which is fine you know, we sell people to advertisers, but there should be some responsibility of informing the public about important issues involving international terrorism. You know, like we talk about the same three or four subjects every day when you turn on the news and a lot of stuff that is for the most part unimportant. And you're not going to remember six months from now. We're going to move on to the next thing. And the fact that, yeah, all these guys either haven't been on trial or as Tonto said, killed at this point, like, It it does make people furious because the only time Benghazi is mentioned is to make a political point. And I agree with many of the political points. I'm not going to say I don't, but there's more important things to discuss, like your book out there and there's more guys on the run. So is are there any other, um, you you know, updates on that situation? Have you been made aware of any other guys who who are loose right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, we just put out, we wrote up like a yearly update of our investigation. And I think we noted like six people have been released um, that we didn't note in the book. So there's been a lot of releases. We also found some new um, attackers and one actually was in Gitmo. So we have another Guantanamo Bay detainee that um, came back to the surface. But the really interesting part is, you know, when we talk about information not being collected and shared, when I found out what he was doing right now it was super interesting. He is in communications with the Haqqani network in Afghanistan because they're working on like strategic jihad things across, yeah. you know, international boundaries. And so a lot of people like to lie to the American public and say Taliban is only focused on inside <laughs> of Afghanistan. You don't have to worry. Um the Haqqani network is calling a Benghazi attacker in East Libya. And having phone calls, which means we're not even probably collecting it because we're not even collecting terrorism anymore. And we don't know what's going on. Al-Qaeda has training camps setting up in all the provinces. Um, The Taliban have already said they want to train 500,000 suicide bombers to send externally. Um, We are we have a disaster ahead of us. and, And nobody's talking about this terrorism problem, how big it's getting and the fact that terrorists are coming over our borders. The the crazy part is, a lot of people don't understand the Taliban is issuing passports to anyone. If you're a Pakistani terrorist, you go to Afghanistan, they'll give you a passport. If you're from Uzbekistan, and you're you're from the IMU, you come across the border, you get a passport. If you're Egyptian, you get a passport. And so all these terrorists have a national identity card saying they're Afghan and a passport that's saying they're Afghan and then nothing's in their true name and they're getting in the refugee channels or they're just getting a visa to Brazil and then they're coming up to the Darien Pass and they're crossing our border illegally. And who knows how many have gotten into our country now? And now they're in our country as an Afghan, right? When they're like a Pakistani terrorist and nobody's ever gonna know until they do something. And so it's super, super dangerous how we've lost the 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 focus on this issue
2: well we've lost control there's no control I, i i didn't know that i i am completely shocked and i i know it you're saying it word of mouth but you have a lot of truth in it because of what you do we're not collecting on tariffs anymore are you fucking kidding me that's that is the that is the most irresponsible government action the agency could ever you always we that that should never end. They'll always be collecting on because the terrorists is not, they're not, it's not gonna go away. So basically we're gonna have to wait till something blows up. Again, they blow up an embassy, they blow up something here, they 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 hit a high value target that's overseas somewhere and another ambassador until we do something. And even then, by that time, since we're not collecting on terrorists, what are we gonna do? We're not gonna be able to do anything. We're not gonna be able to find them, we're not gonna be able to do any total retribution. Holy shit. That, I mean that to me. That's scary. That in itself is that. And but again, typical Americans. Let's not be proactive. Let's fucking be reactive, and, and and wait till something happens, and we'll deal with it. Man, on the you said they released six. You said is that the Libyan you released Libyan Prime Minister? You said released six Benghazi terrorists. They had actually attacked, or six have been released from getting – I I didn't follow that oh, no right. six have been released
0: it's just six have been released since we put our book out like as updates if that makes gotcha. sense gotcha. Like Got, we yeah, gotcha, gotcha. they were locked up and they're free that that type of thing
2: free just it, to it, roam, roam the earth free in <laughs> libya are you serious they're just free yeah.
0: they're just free i mean one of them he actually served his prison sentence he was only given six years for being isis which is insanity so he's just out because hey he served his time <laughs> um one of them they thought he was dead, he's not. And then the rest had been detained and then were released. And luckily, Ziad being captured helped me get information on who else was still detained, um, who's in prison, that type of thing. So it did help me update some of them. But um, unfortunately, like our lineup is like 50 people at large. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of them. There's about a dozen in Turkey. Um, the, the, the hardest part is, though, is we're down to identifying the terrorists who nobody knows they were involved right and then you know they, they, they might be living in europe like there's one apparently in scandinavia we're trying to hunt down so so we're, we're working on with the ones now that got away all these years and like even people in benghazi don't know they're involved so it's a lot more work um and it, it's a lot more dangerous right because they could be in the west and they're more likely in the west
2: well, now that you're targeting, you're doing a great job as a targeter, but you don't have the assets to go kill them or what who are you giving the info to and it sounds to me like nobody's right I mean you're giving it to hey I I mean I'm down if one of somebody with a lot of money wants to put a team together I'm sure that there's a lot of guys like myself my knees healed up and I'm still looking good for 52 as long as I don't have to hump up a mountain 30 miles I'm good to go but who else is going to do it are we going to are we going to have to make our own Graystone, like we got to bring Eric, Eric Prince back and make a graystone. I mean, what do, what do we do? You're giving information out, but nobody's, nobody's actioning it or are people actioning it and it's good. I, if I don't need to know that, that's great. As long as it's being done, but is anybody actioning this intelligence that you're gathering at all? Or are you just, here it is guys, somebody do something. And of course the Biden administration is sitting here. I'm picking my nose and, and pretending I'm beating <laughs> off guys. If you don't, if you, for those that don't have us on YouTube, what is happening with the Intel that you're getting? Cause I, 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 am not seeing it being action, but if it is great, I don't need to know, but is it, or is it just here? Well, we know where he's at. Send him a, send him a birthday card on his next birthday. What's going on with that.
0: Yeah. So we put the book out, right. So all the information could be shared. So like we, we share a photo lineup, right. That can go to any security professional anywhere in the world and we've gotten a little bit of feedback. Obviously, those channels don't give you feedback, but sure. but at least the photo lineup's been used with detainees in North Africa. Um, obviously, Zia got watchlisted. Um, so that's very, some good news. But it also shows, right? If you actually watchlist our guys, you can do something about that.
2: But he got released, though. I
0: mean, well, yeah, that's a US government state, problem. They got to ask yeah. for him. Yeah, unfortunately. But the good part is, He got banned, so he can't go back to Turkey, which makes Europe safer. And I know that's not a win exactly, but it's a little bit of a win. Um, And then there still is an action arm against our terrorists. It's the Libyan National Army. Um, But they need to be in a location where they can action them, right? So the only reason I'm on this podcast today, to be honest, is a year ago, exactly today, I was on with Ian. And that was the last time a Benghazi attacker was killed, September 7th. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe it's lucky and it'll happen again today. So if no terrorists is killed today, I'm never coming back on your show. And if it does <laughs> happen by the end of the day, I'll be on weekly. Um, but, so the last action that killed an attacker was the Libyan National Army, and they killed um, – Mahdi Dango. Um, A lot of people don't know his involvement in our attack, but if everybody remembers when they walked the 21 Christians on the beach and beheaded him, he was there doing that attack as well, and that's what he's most famous for. Um, So there is an action arm. They just have to be within the areas, and as you can imagine, they got pushed out of those areas by the Libyan National Army. Now they're all in Tripoli. the only action arm we have with them in tripoli is the government that us is friends with and they're not doing anything so we have to wait till they travel somewhere or go outside of tripoli to hopefully get someone to affect them
1: but once again this is why when you talk about like is anyone doing anything this is why the media could be doing so much if you had someone like sarah adams on regularly on newsmax on fox news on major outlets Congress people would hear about this. They would band together. People would get involved and they would demand some type of action. But once again, people are not in the know because this is not the important story of the week that like, I guess from a media aspect, that's what pisses me off, because that is how change is made. You know, if enough people are outraged and you have people in Congress talking about it, action will take. I mean, why are we hearing all this stuff about Hunter Biden right now? Because people are outraged. You have Congress people getting involved they could be doing the same thing with, with Benghazi terrorists who are on the loose.
0: Yeah. Did you have something, Santo? You wanted to ask?
1: Yeah. 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 Go for well,
2: it. No, <laughs> I no, I did. No, I didn't. I'm, I'm going to agree with Ian. I it just, I don't, if I get into that with Ian, I'll get fired up because I hate the media. <laughs> I completely fucking hate the, the media. But, and, and you know what I'll joke.
1: add too, when you, when you it's were saying like these guys getting two years, I will get political here. And I know you guys are going to agree with me and and we don't, talk too much politics on the show but it's something happening right now and it's like man yesterday or it was two days ago when i hear about enrique tario getting 22 oh, years yeah. for organizing a protest related to january 6th 22 years you want to lock Joke. him in a prison away from his family who wasn't even there i mean it's insane to me i know but insane. think
0: about it abu katala who was not an attacker and showed up late They gave him 22 years as a mastermind for our attacks, and he wasn't even an attacker. So they've been misusing the justice system and getting away with it. And they allowed allowed it to do it to a terrorist, right? They're going to allow them to do it to an American. That's the problem. If you don't hold people accountable for misusing these tools, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And now we're seeing that. So we've complained, hey, you gave this guy... wasn't even an attacker 22 years like what the heck sure he's a bad guy but this isn't how our system should be used and nobody listens and now they're shocked oh they did to americans like they've been doing it like listen to us so
2: we we talked about that on the show when they did do that people were pissed off at me because i didn't i said i ain't going to i was supposed to go to the the hearing i think i was like fuck you guys fuck you fbi fuck you doj I, unless you subpoena me and I have to be there, I'm not going. And a lot of people I hate it. They're like, "Tony, what? He's a terror." I so say, he wasn't even fucking there, and he's no mastermind. And actually, he's with 17 Feb, which is part of the. So you guys obviously so you're just putting a scapegoat on. But my question to you is, I will get back to that: the LNA is the LNA. It, who runs it? If it's because it, I for, and I didn't know this, it's not the prime minister. Then it's not the Tripoli. So. And I'm just throwing out there, what about a general? Not that it happens very often over in the Middle East and North Africa and all these, it happens a lot, guys. What about a coup? Is there a possibility of there being a coup and them over and some general doing the doing the right thing with the L and say, screw, we're taking over, we got to run this country right. We're getting this right over this prime minister. And if we do see that, and the American public and the media, I'm already putting it out there, goes, Hey, we need to back this prime minister. We're telling them not horseshit. No, prime minister is a puppet. The LNA is what's doing the right thing. Or am I wrong? Or is the LNA committing atrocities? Because I'm sure some of them are former terrorists themselves. I mean, you just those countries, you, you just, they're they're going to be. There's just too many. What is your take on LNA? And would a coup fix that problem in Libya, getting that prime minister out of there? Even though if that happens, again, the media is going to say that's a bad thing because our government's propping up that prime minister. What's your opinion on that?
0: Well, so the, the Libyan National Army. So in Libya, there's an East government and a West government. Because
2: the Tripoli and Benghazi. Right there. Yep. yep. yep gotcha. So
0: that one's run by General Haftar. Um, yep. So Trump considered backing him. I don't know if you remember. And then I people don't. jumped all over him, calling it Russian collusion. And he backed off, which is super frustrating, by the way. So So he had to align with the Wagner group because the U.S., NATO, and the U.N., basically told Western companies, if you align with him, we will charge you. And I don't know if you saw, but Eric Prince got charged, I kid you not, for what was reportedly a conversation with Hoftar in Egypt involving a helicopter. I kid you not, he's charged right now for it. So the U.S. government made sure no one could work with Hoftar. so he had to join with the Russians. And now they say he's on the side of the Russians, stay away from him. It's like, whoa, 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 that's not how it happened. So the crazy part is, the one guy who probably could take over, he wants a joint government of some sort. He's a really good military commander. He's not the economics guy, right, gotcha, to make gotcha. Libya what it could be. And he knows that. Um, So he's not, I need to be everything. But yes, this, this Libyan prime minister, I mean, the prime ministers ever since we were there have been aligned with terrorists yeah, because yeah. that's how they kept power. Yeah. And that's always the office the U.S. government is linked to unfortunately so there's not going to be a coup when you're the u.s government's on your side sadly unless just it goes crazy right i i don't see that happening and also remember general Hoftar was a u.s citizen yeah so i don't know if he would do that either because it could affect um his family in some way
2: and to them it's just what well, the americans are terrorists they, they let him go who gives a shit? I got bigger problems bigger fish to fry right now i got to control benghazi on the east side of libya and whatever happens in trip. I, I get it. I, I get it. It's still, it's still aggravating and frustrating, especially when something should be done and it's not getting done. And, and I get it. that's usually that's how things get done over there in those places is military coups and people are overthrown <laughs> and thrown out of power. Um, and, you know, we hate, I know there's a lot of people that want that to happen here. I, I don't, I I don't, I, because it would, the, our world would turn into. It would never change. You know, it would, I mean, it would change drastically into where, yeah, we we have no no electricity, we have no running water, no sewers, nothing like that. Where the infrastructure would go. Um, on your future now, since you got the book, and we'll we'll continue on, continue on. I don't. I'm again. I always get down rabbit holes when I talk to you because I still learn, I learn something new every time we talk about. Benghazi or Libya because there's stuff I still don't know that still has happened that still frustrates the shit out of me but moving forward you know the book you're are you were you writing an I swore you were writing another one or am I wrong on that or are you putting something some other publication out uh with future stuff as far as terrorists goes or are you just going to continue to hit and try to just do what you can until you're in your deathbed to get these people brought to justice. Cause I, I, I told people on another show, Sarah's a pit bull. She ain't going to let go until it's done. And God bless you. I just don't ever see it ever happening. Cause pe- like we and Ian have talked, people don't care up, up there. People care here, but they don't care up in DC. What, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I, you keep fighting and eventually win the lottery. And then you can start hiring us as mercenaries to go actually action. <laughs> these guys specifically, or what are you going to do? Are you, and is, is there a possibility that you think we'll ever bring anybody to justice in Benghazi again? Uh, I, I don't see it happening. And, and I'm not being pessimistic. It's just, it's just the facts of what's gone on and and how much hard work you've done. And nothing has that been happened aside from when I say happened, nobody's been action. Nobody's been killed guys. That's what I mean. I'll say it Frank. Nobody's been killed. What do you feel though? what's your opinion and you are very more optimistic than i am you are you that's one of your great, great traits you're optimistic as hell
0: so we put out the book to hopefully hand it off right um, if you look at her book i mean we pretty, we have some good sources oh yeah
3: Excellent.
0: not one us government agency has reached out to me asking if they could recruit any of our sources not one so no one gives a damn in the U.S. government about Benghazi. I mean, why would they not? I mean, our, rec- our sources are amazing. They can report on international terrorism, ISIS. And, and like I said, U.S. government hasn't even asked us, which is insanity, if you think of it. Yeah. So because that's never happened, we kept going. So we're right now working for more terrorists that were at the attacks. And then um, our big shift, though, is we found out which cell was the mortar team. So with a cell within the Rafala al-Sahati brigade. Okay. I saw um, that hostile... I saw I,
2: I saw that on a post. I that's all I've seen. What else? Yeah. yeah, keep going.
0: So now we're that's our focus. So there's 10 men in this cell. We've identified the name of one. Um and so our main focus now is we're going to find all 10. Period. Um so that is what we've shifted to. We've actually gotten some really good information out of Libya on where to at least find the names of the cell members. Um, it's basically in a certain body of data that we got to hunt down that, w- that leaked at some time. So we actually have um, a really good way forward. As you can imagine, because we do it ourselves, it's cost prohibited. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't even know what the number would be. It's going to cost us like 10K, for example, to find the the 10 mortar men, just an example of how much it's been costing us for the harder targets. Uh, so, so that's kind of where we slow down, right? So we're working for attackers then we have these tens, we're working 14 guys. So it's just when we can get the money together to do this piece and this piece and hunt this piece down. But we kind of decided since FBI didn't pick it up, we're gonna at least identify every terrorist. Um, Yes, will things be done? Maybe not. But the good part is like one of the terrorists we identified this year was a joint British citizen. And we were able to get a Libyan British citizen to go in and meet with British intelligence and share our info and say, hey, this is a problem. So the good part is, is if we can get people watchlisted in other countries and we can get other countries to action them because they are still terrorists and they yeah. all committing terrorist acts, we're still gonna save lives. And so we're still focused on that. And then another thing we're focused on, but we haven't had tons of time is we don't wanna lose sight on Afghanistan. Um, so we're trying to collect the outreach from Afghanistan to Libya because it's a natural focus. But at some point, we have to shift to Al Qaeda in Afghanistan because it's a huge issue and it, it's 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 insanity how many training camps they've already started. So when we were in Benghazi in 2012, they had a training camp infrastructure. It was Remember. it's like it was like five percent of what's already. Start Holy happening shit. two years in Afghanistan. So, yeah, the, the the lack of focus on Afghanistan is a problem. And I do think some of us are going to have to do it privately because the government's not doing it well enough.
2: Wow. Uh, and Al Qaeda was dead. I remember in 2012, even <laughs> though Bo- Boone and I sat and saw, I remember sitting at the Rafala uh, Sahate camp and seeing him and I both seeing Al Qaeda trainers there mm-hmm. and we got reprimanded for it from bob i remember that too We came out he chewed our asses because we would have talked to motherfucker hey, <laughs> what what's 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 really uh, and nobody said this till you said this is that you know, rafala sahate is a completely different terrorist organization they're not Ansar sharia they're not al-qaeda and to find out that they were part of that too that even makes it even worse because it wasn't just a—I mean, it—it it was a, a coordinated attack, but this was a joint coordinated attack between different terrorist three different terrorist networks, and nobody said that until you, and and for and for still nothing to be done, it it, it frustrates the hell out of me because that that you would have thought our our own agency personal military, when you're having three different terrorist organizations attack uh, an ambassador that's a pretty big deal and for that not to be news I, I i can't believe you were on fox news to talk about that um and and i don't know maybe if you can and, and we're going a little long in i you know cut me off when you need to
1: no this is good man
2: you know explain rafala sahate can you explain because i don't think people know the difference between them aq AQIM, in the Maghreb, and Ansar Sharia, and explain that rafala sahate what they were and and that they work. that's 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 a whole nother organization that we got attacked by that night. That's the third different organization. Um, because I wasn't aware that the mortar team was Rafa al-Sahate till you till I heard you saw you posted. I didn't know that. So, um, and how I, I think it's a big deal. I mean, what's your opinion on that?
0: Well, the thing is, it it was a failure of collection. We didn't actually understand how everyone was connected to al-Qaeda at the time because Rafal al zahati was headed. By a guy who fought in Mujer, Afghanistan, and to Dr. Ayman al-Zahiri, he oh. viewed him as the AQ head of Benghazi. Oh wow. So, and then he viewed the head of 17 February, um, Ishmael al the founder, not Fawzi, um, as the number two al-Qaeda leader of Benghazi. So Al-Qaeda viewed these two humans very different than CIA and Bob, who met them, viewed them, if that makes sense. So we weren't collecting properly to understand that they were Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda viewed them as Al-Qaeda. And so it was just Al-Qaeda going to Al-Qaeda, who now (laughs) were running other groups to do the attack. So it's still, Rafal al Sahati was led by an Al-Qaeda commander. Um, So that's kind of that piece. And The problem is we have a lot of collection gaps as as you can imagine but we don't collect good info so Afghanistan's a really good example right so like Hamza bin Laden is alive um everyone thinks he's dead right because we didn't have good collection the the dude's alive people see him every day now he's like and it's so frustrating because our U.S. government still has not come out and said oh yeah bin Laden's son's alive somebody got it wrong like so many years ago when we reported, and I swear <laughs> every month I'm hearing new terrorists that I thought were dead. Even this just happened yesterday. I thought a Libyan died, um, after being detained in, in Chechnya, even freaking Afghanistan, and he's an Al Qaeda commander. So, so we have horrible collection, and, and, and it's biting us, and it bit us in Benghazi because we didn't understand Al Qaeda had a base there, we did not understand Al Qaeda. Had commanders leading Benghazi, and we didn't understand. Al Qaeda wanted Benghazi to be kind of their next hub in North Africa, and not knowing those things it, it is what bit us. Wow,
2: wow that's freaking amazing! Uh, it's still good. the the information. that's always new. Yeah, having you have on. Um, Is collection at the agency going to get any better? Are they getting worse? It sounds to me like they're getting worse. I I even saw it, in my opinion, just because of working and working with a different case officer and seeing experienced experienced people be traded off for college kids. And then the college kids, they really didn't give a shit anymore. I went from very voracious college kids to college kids were like, hey, I'm working for the agency. Yeah, look at me. How cool. Until it's like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. What's going on? Is it going to get any better? I, and I know you haven't worked for them for a while. You're you're giving me a, a you know a, a thousand a thousand foot view because you're not with them actually in Langley anymore. But it just sounds like to me it's not getting focuses off, or maybe that's it. The focus is just up, but they're not. It's not. It's getting terrible. It's it's it, they're not. They've lost. They've lost focus, or they're just shit. I, I, help me out here. What what's going on with the agency?
0: Yeah. Well how it works, right? The agency answers questions by the policymakers, right? So that was one of the problems when we were in Libya, right? They're all like, what's government formation? What's happened to the oil facilities? And nobody was asking questions about the terrorists. So the CIA then says, OK, well, I'm going to give you nine case officers. Eight are going to do political reporting. One's going to do terrorism, because that's what the government wants, right? And so we had one counterterrorism case officer in Benghazi, which is insanity. Yeah. Um, that's a big problem. Like I said, even if you talk, talk about Libya, you're like they're talking about bringing an embassy back, right? And when you, when they talk about it, the security threats are all Russian, right? That's what the, you're, oh, the, the threat to our embassy is Russia. It's like, no one's even asking, what's the terrorism threat? Let's collect against the terrorism threat. And that's what I'm saying, without the correct questions, gotcha. then the CIA puts money other places nsa puts money other places right so it, it's it's really the policymakers who drive that and then you answer their questions so it's a policy problem as usual um and it's an administration problem on what they tell the cia they need to collect
1: And you know what's the last thing i'm wondering you know chris was talking about the optimism of things will change and then you know in, in your opinion and all that It goes without saying. You guys know the whole audience knows we have a presidential election coming up in a year. Um, I'm wondering if you think that could change things. This is going to be one of the strange. It's going to be the strangest presidential election in my lifetime. I mean, I know, (laughs) I know people always say like this is the big one every four years and they hype it up, but this really is an odd one because just observing what's going going on on the right, as an observer, I think they're going to try to keep Trump off the ballot. I don't think he will be on the ballot possibly. And then I think that's going to really faction off who is going to be the Republican nominee. Then on the Democrat side, are they really going to run Biden again? They're not going to run Kamala Harris. And then there's talk about, are they going to have Gavin Newsom run? Are they going to have Michelle Obama run? I'm just wondering if someone, I guess, on the right with a different foreign policy comes to power, do you see any progress being made in terms of all the stuff we've discussed for this past hour and a half?
0: I don't only because I'm not trying to be negative, but, Remember when Trump came in and then he wanted to change some policy and then State Department people went behind his back and did what they wanted. Remember, we saw it in Ukraine, yeah. for example. <laughs> um, so the problem is I think State Department has gone a little rogue and they are maybe who we have to rein in. And you know, we always talk about reigning the FBI, which is its own issue, but people ignore the State Department forgetting yeah. they do all this, right? They ran the new out of Afghanistan and like nobody's holding them to account nobody's changing the way they do business Mary pompeo went in is like i'm going to change the yeah. way and he, he he didn't yeah. stay um yeah. so so the problem is unless they fix some of these institutions nothing's going to change because those institutions have become very powerful and are going to do what they want which we see with fbi so people ignore that fact but you got to have someone who'll come in and clean up shop. And that's really hard to do in the government. As you can imagine too, you'll be called a dictator and all those types of things, or like it would happen to Russia um, with Trump. Oh, it's Russian collusion. He backs off. So, so they will um, kind of put their foot down and keep their control. I think. Uh,
2: that's, you know, I, I Really you've answered and just give me more to think about sir, on, on all this. So, and I was going to ask, Okay, what would you do if you were head of the State Department? What would you do to clean house? You kind of already answered it, but I guess since I have that question, the last one in my head, I'd ask you, what would you do to clean? How would you clean house? What would you do if you were said, "Hey, Sarah Adam, here's State Department, fix this shit." What's the oh first first? What's the first thing you would do? And and just leave it at that, because or you can go <laughs> or you can go down the rabbit hole. I because mm-hmm. I would. I'd like to get your opinion, and I think those that go in the State Department, they should listen to you because you you got a good head on you and and you you are a patriot. You do believe that you do believe in this country and you've done great things for this. and you continue to fight when you don't even have to anymore. You fight more than I do. And, you know, and, I, and that's to me that that says a lot, it says you still have a lot of conviction. So, yeah, State Department, you're the head. What do you do? What what do you do to fix that effed up place over there in Rossland?
0: The first thing I would do is I would make something written into everybody's contracts that when they leave the State Department, they can't go into any NGOs funded by the State Department, anywhere where State Department dollars go. They can't go on the boards of anybody that contracts with State Department because that's where all the corruption and the cesspool come in, right? Everyone's aligning for their next job, which is across the government. We see it in the Pentagon, right, all the time. Yep. Um, that is kind of, I think, one of those things where they stay wedded to foreign... Failed foreign policy, right? Because they see their exit ramp at the end, and they're putting their interests above the government. So that would be first. And then it it would be, hey, you march in line with the current policy. If you work against that policy, there needs to be pieces that are accountable, and that doesn't really exist. And gotcha. so I do think, you know, in the government, you can't get fired. Right. You know, we always joke the CIA. The only way you can get fired is you throw some intel reports over the Russian embassy wall. Right. <laughs> you need to make people think they're going <laughs> to get fired if they don't do their jobs well or if they undermine the U.S. government or if they even cover up things yeah. that are happening, right? Like they need to really understand what's going on the ground. And Libya, the state department has no clue what's going on on the yeah. ground. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, even today, it, 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 I even joked yesterday on my LinkedIn, I posted a picture with our special envoy. And honestly, he's in a picture with a guy who's a known murderer. It's like, what, that's the guy you took an official photo with? It's, it, it, it's embarrassing, it blows my mind and it makes us look like fools so they do need to get on their A game a little better and maybe the problem is they rotate too much right um maybe sure. they need to spend more time on a country like like there are solutions instead of firing everybody of course but i do think they they're a little too wedded to what they want vice what the government wants of them
2: Gotcha. I, yeah i've always i and i always saw just they have a hard time they their they're so pompous and arrogant They can't say they're wrong. You're just right. I mean, we we talk about this whole thing. Nobody can admit that they make a mistake. Yeah,
1: no, it's the same thing with the government. Has anyone ever come out in official capacity and said it wasn't a YouTube video? Yeah, (laughs) we we (laughs) lied. (laughs) You know, it's never going to come out. But anyway, um, yeah, the Instagram for Sarah and for the book at large, you know, with Boone is at Ascari Media Group. A-S-K-A-R-I media group on Instagram. Um, I guess the last thing I want to say, you know, we spoke at length about Benghazi. You know, it is 9-11 people are hearing this. We didn't speak as much about the 9-11-2001 terrorist attack. Um, you know, I'll certainly always remember everything that happened that day. I still hang out with the same group of guys that I was in that classroom with. Um, and where I grew up in Manhasset, a ton of people died, including my family's friend, Chris Quackenbush, who was in the towers. You know, a lot of people... Who grew up in Manhasset, which is a nice town, went to go work on Wall Street because it's about 40 minute train ride from the city. And that's that's what they did every day. That their their world was not politics or, you know, Middle East terrorism. They were just there doing their job, making money in the city as everyone else is. And, you know, their lives were their families' lives were forever impacted. And it's something we need to never forget for sure, as a country. And and yeah, those events led to the events that happened. in in Benghazi as well. And, and we've said it before, I mean, there's, it's no coincidence that the attacks both happened on the same date. I think it was definitely sending a message and, you know, it's important people remember those people as well as all the guys who died, you know, uh, defending along with you on nine 11 in Benghazi.
0: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I like to focus on is the attackers, right. Um, those are who we need to go after and I don't know if you've seen but they're talking about giving Khalid Sheikh Mohammed to KSM the mastermind of 9-11 a plea deal where he doesn't get the death penalty and I really am surprised there's not more uproar about that that how of all people is he not going to get the death penalty and I, I think a lot of people across our community are really frustrated because it's not just KSM we, we went overseas and caught all these terrorists. They're all released now. Some of them are running a government, right? Um, and we just, we need to see real justice and we need our government to show real justice. And I think KSM, it, it, it's going to change a lot if they give him a plea deal, honestly. I think it's going to change the, the psyche of a lot of us who spent 20 years fighting in this war on terror. Yeah.
1: Are people yeah. making the argument that it, that it makes him a martyr and that type of thing if you kill him?
0: That that is an argument on the table, um, but it's not exactly why he's getting a plea deal. Most of the reason he's getting the plea deal is they took too long. Remember, he was captured in like two thousand three. Justice yeah. is taking too long to where you know it gives him an argument in a courtroom. Unfortunately, right? Like we we basically did not give him a speedy trial, right? um obviously he he was waterboarded right so so there's a lot of things a lawyer can play with that they're nervous that could be played with in a courtroom because we we, we didn't handle it correctly but but again if you handle any terrorist correctly and give them the death penalty, it's got to be ksm and yeah. i feel like everyone should be saying that
2: yeah and it but they won't <laughs> I, just, I i'm being, being a pessimist of this but i hope they do too i just uh, right now i just don't I, I just don't see it i don't see it and because and, if it would have if it was going to happen it would happen by now there's always something they're going to let them off the hook for and that's our weakness that's one one america i always said our weakness in america and our terrorists know this is sympathy sympathies are our, our, a strength that we have but it's also a weakness and the terrorists use that weakness i said that when we were in afghanistan 2005 and it here rears her ugly head and then also like i said going on in the future hey fuck america what's my future with this next ngo or my next politically driven private and you see that in the pentagon with all the generals and you now you're seeing it with Rosalind, and you're seeing it with the agency people as well i i get it well you're doing good things sir i pre Absolutely. and i i do appreciate it i i really do personally and i know if the other guys say it or not but we all do because I I don't have the energy anymore for that. Now, again, if, if you, if you could put a team together, I I'm there, I'm with you. My knee's good. I'll I'll wrap this some bitch up and I'm getting stronger. And, but if we can, I think that's the only way we'd really be able to action these guys is do it privately. And that's I'm game. I mean, I got to get paid a little bit. I, I do want to make a little bit of money. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> but, you but don't uh, even need a leg. Zia doesn't have a leg and he's just fine.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah. you posted that's that. what
0: well, I said,
2: I, I'll wrap this up. I'm good. I'm good to go. Just tell me, just get me on a good plane. Let's go, man. Let's do this. <laughs>
1: well yeah, and, and i also want to add you know we how we started the podcast best of luck with uh the house situation Yeah, you
3: know, yeah sucks to hear
1: about that so i know he's making light of it but yeah hopefully you're hanging in there Do, did we you, just lose you there did we lose you sir oh, that's no 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 here. whatever you said we lost Oh, I just said thanks. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I said thanks. So I thought you were going to say you going to say best of be luck your that, bug, but... with your bug bite. I thought that's what you're yeah. oh, yeah, this... you were
0: saying. Oh, yeah, you poor thing. Go get a check. I'm still feeling it. I feel like it. your head's getting bigger as the show goes on.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this will be up on, on 9-11, of course. Uh, you know, as long as Harold could get it up a day early. We usually put it up on Tuesday, but it'd be great to get it up on the anniversary. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, as always. Yeah. Uh, if there's ever anything you need me for, Uh, You know, stay in touch. I know Chris feels the same. So,
2: and I, I got to give you a holler. I'll give you a holler when we get off. Get off here, if you, if you have a second. Yeah, I'll give you a holler. But good show, good job,
1: sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. That was excellent. Thanks
3: for having me. That's all for this episode of Battleline Podcast. But we're always posting new content on social media. Follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at BattleLinePod. That's an order. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes up every Tuesday. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never quit.